We're in a series of teaching called Say Goodbye. Say Goodbye, we're beginning a new year and we're getting ready to say hello to a lot of things, but I think that oftentimes what you say goodbye to is just as important as what you say hello to. And I wanna start out by reading from Proverbs chapter three. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. That's a good verse for me to read once in a while because just when you start thinking you're smart, (laughs) don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. That means respect the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. And verse nine goes on to say, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I'm gonna talk about this important subject tonight. It's a subject that God put on my heart for our church this weekend, and I was kind of struggling with different topics, uh, and I wanted to kind of preach on something different, but then this thought kept just being kind of stuck in my mind, and I felt like at a certain point I had to say, okay, God, I'm gonna talk about it, and hopefully it's for someone tonight. So I'm gonna preach a message that's titled, Say Goodbye to Control, Say Hello to Growth. Say goodbye to control, say hello to growth. If you're taking notes, which I always encourage, you can write that down, that's the title of this message, but I've always been someone who wrestles with wanting to be in control. I wanna have control. I'm a little bit of a control freak. Hi, my name is Ryan, and I'm a control freak. Hi, Ryan. (laughs) And I think that I've always struggled with this, and looking back on my life with a little more perspective, I realize now, I think that's one of the reasons that God led me to join the military, because it's a very rigid, structured system where you have to submit to authority. Wanting to rebel and have my own way growing up, got into a lot of trouble. God knew I needed to be in a system where you have to follow the rules and do what you're told. In the military, if you don't follow orders, you can legally be shot. (laughs) They don't encourage it, but it's actually a legal possibility. Um, Oftentimes, soldiers will actually go to jail for refusing orders. I actually had a young man from my unit get sent to jail for refusing to obey orders. So I think God knew that I needed to go into a system where you have to do what you're told or get shot. (laughs) That's what I needed. I needed to overcome my controlling, rebellious nature. And I feel like I I made a lot of progress in that area and that God really helped me to grow. And then just when you feel like you got this thing figured out, you realize you're not as far along as you thought you were. Because, you know, these controlling tendencies have a way of just rearing their ugly head. It happened to me a few weeks ago when we brought our little baby home and we were taking care of little baby Lila and we just are enjoying the process and we're doing a lot of it together just because it's fun and it's easier when there's two people. So me and Amy, we were taking care of little Lila and we were we were like just with her, taking care of her and we were actually changing her and I was just on the sweet side, just like, kissing her little face and Amy was dealing with all the problems and I was just like enjoying the moment and I I turned to Amy and I said oh you're doing that wrong do it like this and you know Amy's real sweet she's really gracious and patient but her voice kind of changed in that moment and I knew she wasn't messing around when she looked at me and she said it feels like every time I touch the baby you're telling me that I'm doing something wrong You know what I told her? I said, I am so sorry. (laughs) 
because I realized that she was totally right and I was acting like an idiot. I had no more parenting experience than she had, but it was my inner control freak coming back out. And I realized it's the things that we really care about that we become most controlling about. Anybody here a little bit controlling sometimes? Anybody? You might be more controlling than you realize. I think we all wrestle with control. We want to control people. We find ourselves saying things like, well, they should do this, or they should do it this way, or, or you know, you want your kids to date a certain type of person, or, or you know, go into a certain career field, or you want to control who they marry because you want them to turn out okay. You want to control your spouse. You don't want them to treat you wrong. You want to control what they do. If you've ever told your husband to help you with the dishes, ladies, and then yelled at him for doing the dishes wrong, you might be a control freak. Congratulations. <laughs> we want to control our reputations and what people think about us. And, and so oftentimes we'll worry, well, what are they saying about me? What do they think about me? We want to control the timeline. We want to have things our own way at the right time. And so you might be a control freak if you're that person who will not wait. You won't wait in line. You won't wait for a promotion. You'll just quit that job and go start another job. You, you think wait is a four-letter curse word. You can't stand to wait. You might be controlling, and it might be controlling in terms of time. You might be controlling when it comes to your finances. I think this is an area where our control freak tendencies really come out because money makes us feel in control. When we don't have any, we don't feel like we have any control. When we have some, we feel like we're in control because we can choose where to go and what to buy and what we're going to do. And so money can make us feel um, in control. And that's why we hate to be parted with it against our will. We hate taxes. We hate paying late fees. We hate speeding tickets because it takes away part of our control. We want to be control in the general plan of our lives. We want to we want to have it our way. We want to do it on our own timeline. We want to have our own plans. We don't want to change. We don't want to get forced out of our comfort zone. We don't want to get pushed to give up our preferences for someone else. If anyone has ever compared you to a mule, as in you're stubborn as a mule, you could be a control freak too. And I, I know some of you, you might be sitting here like, I'm not a control freak. Um, and maybe you resent that. Well, speaking for myself, I resemble that. Okay, let me help you. Let me help you. This is a little trick to help you figure out if you're a little bit controlling. I find myself, I realized I was controlling and, and it was because I kept saying, I'm frustrated. You might not think you're controlling, but maybe you just get frustrated a lot. Well, frustration by definition comes from an inability to control. The definition of frustrated is feeling discouragement, anger, or annoyance because of an unresolved problem, unfulfilled goal, desire, or need. In other, in other words, you didn't get your way the way you wanted it, when you wanted it. And so it frustrated you. So God doesn't want you to live your life frustrated. And that's how I, I found myself at times walking around like, man, I'm just frustrated with this person. I'm frustrated with this situation. I'm frustrated about this. Really what it all boiled down to was I was a little control freak. And I wanted it my way. I wanted things to work out the way that I thought they should because I wanted to be in control. The need to control comes from pride, selfishness, or fear. This is the root cause of our controlling tendencies, pride, selfishness, or fear. That's what it really boils down to. It all stems from this. Pride is when we exalt ourselves and we think, I can do it better. I know the way it needs to go. I'm smarter than other people. I don't need to listen to anyone. I don't need anyone else's help. I can handle it. I know what to do. I'm a big boy. I can do it myself. 
It's pride. I'm going to do it my way. We tend to be more proud than we think we are. James 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You may have heard this verse before, but stop and really think about what this is saying. God opposes the proud. What does that mean? It means God fights against the proud. God actively suppresses the proud from having success. If I'm prideful, God will work against me to make sure I'm not successful because he loves me too much to let me succeed in my pride. But God gives grace to the humble. If you humble yourself and recognize, I can't do it on my own. I don't always know what to do. I can't handle it. God will give you grace. And what that word means is he'll give you favor. He'll give you blessing. It'll go really well for you. So don't let pride lead you into control. Selfishness. Selfish people want to please themselves. I want more for me. I want what's best for me, even if it's not good for you. I can't give you some because then I won't have as much. It's pride. It's selfish. It's selfish. And we tend to be more selfish than we think we are. In Philippians 2, verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's telling us, stop thinking about what's only good for you, but think about how to help other people. And then there's a warning. I want to share this with you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, or you should know this, Generation Church, 5.30 p.m. service, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. I think it's very interesting that these are the first two things listed together there. They'll love themselves and their money. Loving yourself, being selfish, is always tied closely to how you handle money. It lists off a lot of other character traits of people who love themselves. It says they will act religious. They might go to church. They might know scripture. They might listen to Christian radio, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. And then I I noticed this warning, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. Have you caught that? This warning, stay away from people who love themselves and their money. Let me connect the dots for us. If you're selfish, you will end up alone. If you're selfish and you try to control situations, you try to hold on, keep more for yourself, people will avoid you and you'll end up alone. Then fear leads us to being controlling at times. Fear will cause you to try to control a situation. Fear will cause you to try to control people. A fearful person says, I've got to control you, otherwise you might hurt me. This is why so many spouses fight because one spouse is trying to control the other spouse. And if I control you, then you'll do what I want, and then I'll be happy. This is why a lot of people are getting divorced today. Not because of adultery or, or being abandoned or even physical abuse, but just because, well, he's not making me happy. And a lot of ladies I'm seeing are divorcing men because they're not happy, and they think this is a way to take back control. I'll be happy if I take back control. I can't make him do what I want, so I'll take back control. I'll divorce him, and then I'll be happy instead of giving God control and trusting him to heal your relationship. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. We all struggle and worry at times. We care about things, but we're not supposed to hold on to those worries. They'll eat you alive. You're supposed to give them to God. And trust that he loves you enough to take care of your situation. Give God control. That's what we're told. If you will ever feel helpless, if you ever feel like you have no control, 
You need a helper. You need someone who can take control of your situation. And so I need you to understand this principle tonight. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. You've got to pick which one you want. You can continue on in control of your life. You can be a control freak. I've been there. I struggle with it too. Or you can have growth in your life, but you can't have both. You can't have control and growth. You've got to pick one. What do you want? Do you want to have growth? Most people here tonight are like, I want to grow. I want to grow relationally. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow financially. I want to grow professionally. Well, you got to give up control because you can't stay in control of your life and have growth. It's one or the other. You've got to pick. Throughout the Bible, God gives us so many examples of people who try to take control or keep control, and it never goes well for them. But when we surrender to God, he blesses us and he builds us up. So, hey, listen, you can do it yourself and you can crash and burn or you can give God control of your life. He'll bless you and he'll build you up. Which one do you want? You want to be blessed? Anybody here like I want to be built up? I want to be blessed by God. There's a clear choice. You can have control or growth, but not both. So oftentimes, think about how this plays out in our lives. We try to control. We try to control people. And when we do that, our relationships fall apart because nobody wants to be controlled. And so when you're a controlling person, the relationships that you try to control, those people will leave your life. They will run from you. Parents trying to control your kids ultimately will lead to a distant relationship because you can't turn them into good people. You can't make them love God. You can't enforce them and and make them be uh, successful. We all wish we could, but like it can't, It doesn't happen that way. The opposite of trying to control people is empowering people, trusting them. Yeah, you can set boundaries, but then you've got to trust. That's how relationships grow. There's got to be trust. So think about this for all you parents. Here's what it says in Proverbs 22. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. This is a great example of this principle. Parents, you can't make your kids do what's right, ultimately, You can't make them love God. You can be the best parent who's ever lived, but ultimately they have to choose. All you can do is direct them towards the right path. You say, hey kids, this is the way we're going. Follow me as I follow Christ. And the promise is when they're older, they'll eventually follow Jesus. They'll find their way to him. All you can do is show them the way to go and then trust them to figure it out for themselves. Trust God to take care of them. This applies to so many parts of our life. You can't make people do what you want. You can't make people turn out the way you want. You're going to have to trust God to lead and guide them. You can try to control people, or you can have growth in your relationships, but not both. Try to control your reputation. I think we often worry, what do people think about me? What will they say about me? That's something we worry about. But what if behind that concern is a need to control I want to control my reputation. I want to control how they see me, what they say about me. I want to control the narrative about my life. If you do that, you won't grow. You won't grow because you'll let the fear of criticism stop you from doing anything great with your life. Because anyone who tries to do anything great ultimately faces skeptics and critics. People will say, who does he think he is trying to pull that off? Who does she think she is wanting to be in charge? 
You got to stop listening to the critics and the naysayers and stop worrying about what they say. You can't try to keep control of your reputation. And here's my encouragement for you. Psalm 18 says this, how I love you, Lord, you are my defender. The Lord is my protector, my strong fortress. What does this remind me of? It reminds me that God is my defender. He can protect me. And if he can protect me from the attacks of Satan, sin, death, and the grave, he can also protect my reputation. Yes, I want to have a good reputation. Who doesn't? But at the end of the day, I can't control what they say about me. And I'm not going to let fear of criticism stop me from doing great things for God. If you want to be bold and do great things for, for God, you're going to have to just stop worrying about your reputation and trust God to take care of it in your life. Go ahead and just turn off comments on the thread of your life, right? Just turn off the comments, right? Disable them because God has already commented on your life. The devil is a liar. So who cares what he has to say? People are critical. So let's just go with what God says about you. He says you're chosen. You're called for greater things. Here's another thing. You can try to control your timeline. Time is something that we really struggle with trying to control. Because, man, you just can't. It can be so frustrating when you want something and you're waiting for it and you can't make it happen. It can be frustrating when something comes quicker than you wanted it to. Hello, unexpected pregnancies, anybody? But if you try to control the timeline of your life, God won't be able to bless you because you'll rush ahead of his timing. And you won't be where you need to be when it is time for him to bless you. Don't try to take God's timing into your own hand. You want a spouse? You can't force these things and take control. You got to trust God's timing. You want to get promoted at work? You can't always control the timing of this. Sometimes you have to actually just trust God to take care of your situation. Trust God. God never operates according to our timeline. Have you figured that out yet? Anybody else? It took me a while. Like I just, I just am hard-headed sometimes, but his timing is different than my timing. That's a good thing because I don't know anything and he knows everything. Here's what it says in James chapter four. Look here. You who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year and we'll do business there and make a profit. It goes on to say, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the fog in the morning. It's here a little while and then it's gone, especially in Arizona. It's gone real quick. <laughs> what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. What does that mean? It means stop trying to figure out the timing of your life. God is the only one who knows what's going to happen today, tomorrow, or five years from now. Ultimately, we got to trust him and say, God, I'm living open-handed. I trust your timing. If things come quicker than I expected, I'm going to trust you to give me the strength to get through it. If things take longer than I expected, I'm going to trust that you're good, even when I'm waiting. I trust your timing, God. I don't have to be in control of the timing. Some of you will do this. You'll hold on to control so tightly that God can't even lead you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct your paths. But in order for that to happen, you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In order to let God lead you, in order to grow, you have to do what the prophetess Carrie Underwood said and let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> take it from my hands. Right? You got to like let go. Let Jesus direct your pass. 
You can try to control the plan or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Why would you make a list of goals for 2020 or make a three-year plan or a five-year plan and never stop to pray and ask God what his will for your life is? Because you can make a plan, but ultimately, whatever God wants is what's going to happen. That's what that is saying. The Lord will determine your steps. Make all the plans you want, but God's will is what's going to happen either way. So why not let God be the one who orchestrates your life? Put him in control of your life. I want to just try to tease this out and illustrate this a little bit more. Here's the thing. You can't handle more when you're holding on to control. You can't handle more when you're holding on to control. This is so important because sometimes we'll say, God, I just want more, Lord. I want more opportunity. I want more money. I want more influence. I want more followers. I want more, 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 more. And God is waiting for you to let go of control. You'll say, I want control. But God says, you can't handle more when you're holding on to control. So here's the thing. Think about what Pastor Brandon has here. He's got control of this situation. This is what he came with, this bright, giant red ball and he's got it firmly in his grip and God oftentimes he'll say I've got something different for you I've got something better for you and if you notice I've got something even bigger for you but in order for me to give it to you first you're gonna have to let go of control wow. oh, man. <laughs> like you can't handle more until you let go of what you've got and I don't know what this is for you but you've got to let go of control in order to grow. God wants to give you more, but you're not going to you're not going to be able to handle more until you let go. Remember, we try to hold on to control because of pride, selfishness or fear. Pride says I can do it on my own. I know what's best for my life. I don't need what God has for me. And God is saying what I have for you is so much better. Pride says, OK, God, go ahead and give me what you got and I'll keep what I got, too. But you can't handle more when you're holding on to control. Selfishness says, I want all of it. I want all. I want all that I got. I can't let go of it because then I'll have less. God says, what I have for you is bigger than what you're holding on to. If you let go of what you have, I'll give you something that's bigger. I'll give you something better. Live your life open-handed. Don't be selfish and try to hold on to everything that you got. Fear causes us to hold on to control. He's like, man, if I let go of this, I might be left with nothing. And God says, I've got something for you. And you're like, well, God, how do I know I can trust you to actually give me what you said you would give me? Wow. Fear causes us to hold on to control. God's saying, let go of control. Let go of control. I've got something, I got something better for you, man. This is better. Hold on. Go ahead. You can handle more now when you let go of control. This is just a little illustration. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. This is some high-level, deep teaching right now. Can you handle this? Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. You can't handle this. I should just skip this part. Can you handle this 530 service? I don't know. The way that God helps us overcome our control freak tendencies is by teaching us to tithe. Should I preach this? This is, this is too much for some people. Some people aren't ready for this. If, this. if this is too much for you, I'm sorry, right? But there are people that you're open-hearted, you're ready for the truth. Let me just, let me just show you this. This is, this is a high-level understanding here, okay? But tithing is what teaches us to let go of control and trust God. Sometimes people don't tithe because they don't know that they're supposed to. 
And so I'm going to fix that for you. Proverbs 3, remember what it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Verse 9 said, honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Well, that passage has given us a clue. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Another translation says, with the first fruits of all you produce. The first portion is God's. When you bring the first portion to God, that's an act of honor. When you honor the Lord, you have to automatically humble yourself in order to honor the Lord. By honoring the Lord with the first fruits of what you produce teaches you to overcome pridefulness and surrender control to God especially when it comes to your finances. So we talk about first fruits. When we talk about tithing, let me explain tithing a little bit more. Deuteronomy 14, 22, just one example. It says, you must set aside a tithe of your crops. One-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Okay, so here's a little just minor point. The word tithe literally means one-tenth. Sometimes people will say, I tithe, and they use that word incorrectly because it's only a tithe when it's 10%. So Christians bring God the first 10% of all their income. Most of us here tonight are not farmers. Correct? Okay, might have a few farmers in the house, but most of us just get a paycheck. You get a paycheck, and so as a Christian, what we do is we bring God the first 10%. That's our tithe. We do it every time we get paid. There's this principle here. Each year, over and over again, every harvest season or every pay period, you bring God the first 10%. You bring it to the designated place of worship, the place that your God chooses for his name to be honored. That's the local church. Wherever your local church is, if this is your church, this is the designated place of worship for you. You bring this first 10% to God. That's one of the ways that he teaches us to overcome our pride, our selfishness, and our fear. And then here's another example. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This gets kind of intense here. God says this, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. So don't be freaked out by this word curse here. Really, you could think about it like this. You're dealing with the consequences of maintaining control of your finances. You are suffering the consequences of holding on to control of your own finances. That's what this really means. You're robbing me, God says, of tithes and offerings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will always be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. God teaches us to overcome pride, by honoring him, bringing him the first fruits. He teaches us to overcome selfishness by giving to our local church because we know that when we give, when we bring our tithes to our local church, that expands the church, it expands the kingdom of God. And the bigger the kingdom grows, the more people can be reached and come to know Jesus Christ. The more lives can be changed. So that literally means when you tithe, you are helping people. Do you see how that teaches you to not be selfish? And then tithing teaches us to overcome fear. When we don't have money, we're afraid. It feels like we're helpless. We have no control. And so when we bring God the first 10%, it's kind of scary. I kind of think it's funny that God chose 10%. To me, it seems like the smallest number that's still scary. <laughs> think about it. Like any smaller and you could almost... Just forget about it and write it off. But 10%, it's just enough to be scary. 
Because you got retirement, you got bills to pay, you got kids going to school, you got all kinds of things that you're trying to do. And so giving God the first 10% is scary because you're automatically going to have to face your fear head on. If I give God 10%, I might have not enough left over for myself. If I give God 10%, I might not be able to retire in time. There's fear. You have to face it head on. If I give God money, I'll have less for myself. And God's teaching us, try it. Put me to the test. I'm faithful. If you bring me the first 10%, I'm going to bless you. And it's going to go beyond what you even need. You're going to have more than you need. God says, go ahead, make my day. Put me to the test. And he's just showing us, if you'll trust me, I'm going to prove myself faithful. Through tithing, he teaches us to overcome our need to control. So some people don't tithe because they don't know that that's a thing. And I just ruined that for you. The only other reason people then don't tithe once they know the truth is because of pride, selfishness, or fear. And a lot of us in our church tithe. It's a tithing church. It's a giving church. But the only reason people don't is because of pride. I think I don't need God's help. I'm good. I don't need your help. God. I don't need your blessings in my life. God, I'll take care of my finances. Let me know how that works out for you selfishness, you know, I want to keep it to myself. <laughs> i got to worry about number one here. Or fear. If I give to God, I won't be able to afford my truck payment. Listen, if you can't afford it after tithing, you can't afford it. <laughs> if you trust God with the first 10%, you'll always have enough because 90% with God's blessing in your life will always go further than 100% on your own. So the way that you put that into practice, church, if you're not a tither, become one. This isn't about money. It's about surrendering control to God. Do you see that? A lot of you are already doing this, but if you're not, start tithing. Start tithing the next time you get paid. Bring God the first 10% and never stop for the rest of your life because it only works when you do it. It only works when you do it. As soon as you stop doing it, you'll find you start becoming prideful, selfish, and fearful again. Just trust me, or you can figure it out the hard way, but I hope you get the heart of God on that. That's good preaching right there, isn't it? It is. You can tell I'm obviously not trying to control my reputation. I'm trying to help you grow. Because <laughs> you can have control or you can have growth, but not both. I'm going to close with this. We want to control, but we got to let go to grow. We got to let go to grow. I think about how as a pastor, I had to learn to let go in order for our church to grow. In the early days, I had a lot of control. When the church was just a few hundred people and we only had a few staff members helping out, I had to do everything. I had to do a little bit of everything. I had to preach. I had to take out the trash. I had to paint. I had to marry people, bury people, and everything in between. You know, and, and on a certain level, that was kind of uh, exhausting. On another level, it was kind of nice, to be honest, because it makes you feel needed. It stokes your pride a little bit to have that much control. It's kind of comforting because... At least you know that if you have your hands on it, it's going to get done right, right? They say if you want it done right, ask Amy to do it, because Ryan won't do it right. That's what they say. Uh, they say do it yourself. But man, they should say if you want it to stay small, do it yourself. Because when you control it, when you control it, you automatically contain it, and it can't grow. You can't have control and growth. 
You got to let go in order to grow. And I had to let go. I had to start empowering other people, other leaders and say, well, you, you be in charge of that. You be in charge. And I still care. I still check in. Like, how's it going? What's that look like? But ultimately you got to say, I trust you. You decide. I don't need to know. You take care of it. You, you make a decision. I got to let go in order for the church to grow. Like Moses, Moses tried to do it all. And his father-in-law came to him and said, you can't do this yourself. You're going to kill everybody. You got to let other people help you out. You got to let go in order to grow. As a church, I had to let go in order for the church to grow as a pastor, right? And then this applies to a lot of areas of your life and different relationships. You're going to have to let go in order for that relationship to grow. You want to have a healthier relationship with your kids? You might have to let go a little bit. You want to have a healthier relationship with your spouse? You might have to stop trying to control everything that they do and let go a little bit and let them make some mistakes and trust God to be your source of joy instead of your spouse. You want to have a little bit more joy in your life? You're going to have to let go and stop trying to control every little thing and trust God to work it out. You want to have more in your finances? You have to trust God, let go of control. And that, the way you do that, I just talked about, you have to trust God to bless you and, and stop worrying about it all in your own strength. You got to let go of pride. Otherwise, you'll never empower other people and God will oppose you. Don't be prideful. God will oppose you. But when you humble yourself, God can bless you with more. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. When you humble yourself, God will lift you up. So that's saying, I need wisdom that comes from a higher source than my own experiences. I need God's help. I need to be under authority, even though I don't always want to be under authority. I can't do it myself. And when you have that humble attitude, God will lift you up in honor. That sounds really good. That sounds much better than being opposed by God. You gotta let go of selfishness. If you live your life with selfishness, you will always live a life of scarcity. Let that sink in for a minute. If you're a selfish person, you'll never have enough and you'll end up alone. But if you're a generous person, God says you'll always have more than enough. People are attracted to generous people, aren't they? Yes. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and encouraging them to give to help other Christians. He said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure or because you heard a really good sermon. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. When you're a generous person, God promises to provide everything that you need. You'll have more than you need so that you can always be generous. You gotta let go of fear, the fear of not having enough, the fear of not being in control. And maybe you feel helpless sometimes, but you feel helpless and afraid because you think you're supposed to be in control when you were never meant to be in control of your life. You gotta give up control. And I'm encouraged by Philippians 4 verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. That's what we really want. We think that being in control will give us peace, but it won't. As long as you're in control, you'll never have peace. It's when you take your problems to God and pray about them. You tell God what you need. That's when you experience God's peace. It will exceed anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Are you overcome by anxiety? Are you overcome by worry and fear? It's because you think you're in control of your life and you're trying to control the outcome of your life. If you'll surrender control to God, you will finally experience peace in your heart and in your mind. 
only can have peace when you actually give up control. This is our whole relationship with God in a nutshell. Your whole relationship with God comes down to surrendering control. It's all about who's in control. Before you had a relationship with God, you were in control of your life. Before you became a Christian, you were in control of your life. And ultimately, you became a Christian when you said, God, I'm not going to be in control anymore. I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. He becomes our king, and that means he's in charge. And here's the beautiful thing. The more that Jesus is in charge of your life, the better your life gets. That's what it really comes down to. We're fearful sometimes to let ourselves be under authority because human authority oftentimes hurts us and abuses authority. And so we fear getting taken advantage of or abused. But Jesus is a perfect king. He is only good. You can trust him completely to rule and reign over your life because his rule only leads to goodness. So you say, God, I want you in control. I don't want to be in control. Jesus, take the wheel. Is how it begins when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And every step of faith along the way, every time you grow in faith, that's a result of surrendering more control to God. Every step of faith, every time you grow in faith, it's because you surrendered more control to God. Remember, you can have control or growth, but not both. Think about baptism. I just preached about baptism last week. We have people getting baptized in this service, every service today, all throughout the next three weeks. But I love this. I saw this comment on Facebook from a church member. Pam said this, baptism was a real act of faith for me because I had to let someone have control over me while I was in the water. I was comforted by the fact that they had baptized hundreds of people before and had never drowned anyone. (laughs) I love this. I love this so much. I saw this comment on Facebook this week, and I was like, man, I could preach my whole sermon just off of this Facebook comment. right? But this is so fitting. It's just a perfect illustration of our whole relationship with God. It's scary to give up control to God. But how did Pam overcome her fear of giving up control? She had to remind herself that here at Generation Church, we have a perfect safety record when it comes to baptism. We have not had one drowning yet. Thank God. That would be an awkward Sunday. At least they're going to heaven, right? (laughs) So none of y'all getting baptized tonight ruin our safety record and drown in two feet of water, right? But this is a perfect illustration of how we overcome the fear of letting go of control. She reminded herself about the track record. They hadn't lost a person yet. I'm going to struggle a time to give God control of my life. But the way I overcome that fear is by reminding myself of God's track record. God has not lost one of his children yet. When you surrender control to God, it only leads to places you want to go. Giving up control, letting go, it doesn't mean you stop caring, right? Like, don't leave here and say, I'm not going to pay my electric bill because Pastor Ryan said, let go and trust God. (laughs) You don't stop caring, but you do stop worrying about your life. You don't stop caring. You start trusting God to take control with everything. Proverbs 3, remember it said, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit, submit control to him and he will direct your paths. That's how we began our relationship with Jesus, by submitting control to him and letting him direct the path of our life from that point forward. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you're still holding on to control. You need to know that your relationship with God begins by surrendering control. Maybe you need to take that step tonight and surrender control to God. I just wanna encourage you in this last moment that giving control to God is better. It's just better. That's God's will for your life. He's saying, I'm God, you're not. Surrender control to me, trust me, to lead you and to love you. I'm faithful. You don't have to do it on your own. Give me control. And you'll find that God's ways are better. It's better when he's in control. Remember, it's not always easy, but it is always better. Let's bow our heads and pray. If you're here tonight and you say, I want to give God control of my life right now. Maybe you never have before, but you're saying tonight is my night to surrender control to God. This is an important moment for you. And this is really how we are saved, the Bible says, by acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And that means putting him in control and saying, God, I'm going to trust you to take care of me. I'm going to trust you to save me. I'm gonna trust you to lead me and I'm gonna stop trying to do it my own way. I was prideful, I thought I could do it myself. I was selfish, I wanted what was best for me. I was afraid of trusting anyone else, but tonight I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna put my faith in you and acknowledge that I can't do it on my own and I can't do it alone, I need you. And so if you're ready to take that step of faith tonight, then pray this with me and say, God, I need you, I need you to save me. I can't do this on my own. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. I'm gonna trust you to be in control of my life. I'm gonna trust you to lead me and guide me, and I know that I can trust you because you love me. In Jesus' name, amen.